Hello, welcome to Mod Midwives, a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerba. And I'm Nedra Hale, and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Well, how are you doing? Doing okay. I actually had a day at home, which I don't think we've had one in like, I don't know, like two weeks or something, <laughs> like uh, a whole day. Last and, week was really busy. And then this week was just catch up, it seems like. Yeah. Like, and I had a couple of days where I didn't have a lot I needed to do this past week, but there still wasn't a day where I could just stay home and not actually leave. And I had that today and it was really nice. And I got some chores done and got out for a walk and just, you know, so like had like a normal day, (laughs) cook some food. (laughs) I had an at-home day yesterday and also went out for a walk. But Mm -hmm. today I ran a bunch of errands and I am going to tell you I am so excited that I have discovered that they have Disney merch. They have overstocked Disney merch at Burlington Coat Factory. Oh, I love Burlington. I haven't been there in ages. I know. I hear sometimes you can even get the Mickey ears, but I didn't get any today. Oh my gosh. You'll be getting something for your birthday next week. I found there today. (laughs) Um, We're going, we're taking my oldest and my youngest in October again. And so we wanted to have some t-shirts and they're not, they are not Mickey t-shirt kind of guys. So they're willing to wear them to the parks, but they're not like, they won't wear them again. So we didn't want to spend Disney right. park prices on them. Mm-hmm. We got some cute ones, some kind of tattooy looking ones and kind of edgy stuff for them. Cool. Yeah. Very exciting. Something to check out if you ever. So anyway, we did that. We went to the thrift store. I went for my swim. We just had kind of an errand day today. Yesterday, I was going to spend most of the day at home, but I had to take my child to the airport in the morning and um, to go see their dad, which is like the first time since COVID. It's been a really long time, except for FaceTime. You know, they see him all the time on FaceTime. But so when we got there first of all it was a complete madhouse because all of the flights had been canceled the day before because of all these thunderstorms we're having and so we were in line forever and ever through you know to get my gate pass and then to get through security so we we were like they were the last one on the plane but um in other news my sister was still at the airport when when her flight was the day before and so then I ended up hanging out at the airport with my sister for hours until oh uh, she left a day later. <laughs> and that means two airport trips for you, which if anybody's not been to Denver, we it's not it's not a convenient trip to the airport. It's way out of the way. It is like when you leave the edge of the city, it's 10 more miles. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the other side of the city. So I have to get through that. Well, we both have to get yes. through the city and then 10 more yeah. miles. Yeah. You're further south and I'm further west. So yeah. ah, terrible. So that was crazy. But um yeah, so so anyway, did not get to stay home yesterday. Well, I guess I have the airport to look forward to next week. We're going to see my my son is at in um army training in um San Antonio and he, apparently he gets the weekend pass, which is great for the 4th of July but it meant a lot of rearranging in a trip that we hadn't really budgeted for and um, kind of an impromptu 
way to visit him, but I haven't seen him since January. So like January 1st. Well, do your thing where you just like take your carry on so you don't have to stand in the line. But we got there two hours early and then it took us like 20 minutes to find a parking space. Mm. And it's oh, still- you got to your parking two hours early? Yeah. Oh, that is- well, it's, all, it's what I always do. And I always have all this time. Like I can get my- my vodka tonic, (laughs) I can get my my meal. And um, there we're we're supposed to go. I mean, it's just a big airport. So (laughs) two hours from being parked, like get, so your foot's in the door at two hours. Well, let me just tell you, I'm always now going to probably be four hours. (laughs) (laughs) Our flight leaves at 6am on Friday. I am dreading it we're gonna okay. have, I think we've decided to just park at the airport for because it's only a 40 it's Friday to Monday yeah. I think we'll just leave our car because I just don't want to ask anybody to drive us at 3 30 in the morning or three in the morning oh no it's just too bad I've done that I mean I haven't flown anywhere near as many times as you have but I have I have for some reason parked my car at the airport a whole bunch of times and it has worked fine it's great so. but it is like 60 bucks Mm-hmm. but it is great because yeah. <laughs> so, then the car is right there too I you was at the airport so long yesterday I mean I parked in the garage so it wasn't economy but I was at the airport so long yesterday that it was $30 when I left for parking oh my gosh well that is a totally different rate fee than I've also done the thing where we've taken the shuttle you know you park in the long-term parking and take the shuttle but that is time consuming I guess and I don't really want to leave an extra 30 minutes early to do that yeah and then my husband just had surgery a few months ago and is not fully recovered so there's going to be the sparing his knee situation too yeah we're also flying southwest did your where did your child end up sitting oh in between two people because they were the last one on the plane they didn't get any no squeezed you know and you know we had all these plans and we also ran at full speed all the way across the sea gates because they changed the gate like in between when we were in security and no like like, so we had our gate pass and then by the time we got there they changed the gate and there was like this horrible disorientation where the flight wasn't even on the boards or anything. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> what is happening here? What is happening? And then I looked on my phone and I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like way on the other side. So we ran. So the point of the story is Jason probably can't run. So <laughs> like, get there early. <laughs> oh no, terrible. <laughs> well. Well, this podcast is not actually about no. the the no. follies of traveling in Denver. No. Um, it's just, it's so, it's just a, it's just a thing. And like someday maybe we should do a podcast on it because we have a demonic horse at our airport, which is and really, the, like, it's just worth a podcast all in and of itself. And the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say before the aliens? The tunnels. Tunnels. What? What? You need to get your conspiracy theory game on. You don't know about the tunnels? <laughs> I know about lizard people, but I don't know about tunnels. Just when we're done with this, Google Denver Airport tunnels, and oh. then, you will, then you will know. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm so old that I remember when it was a new airport, so. 
<laughs> I just don't remember hearing well, anything. They about built that. it. They put this like secret thing underneath it with all these tunnels. So, huh? Stuff is happening. All right. Well, that'll give me something to do later. Hmm. Well, what we are going to talk about officially today is we've had this little um, ramp up of people having questions and concerns and in some ways I would even say unrealistic expectations about what to expect during the night hours. So, mm-hmm. so today we're going to talk about babies after dark um, and we'll kind of cover sleeping scheduling, feeding. I, we kind of wanted to say like nighttime parenting, but that is actually the name of a Dr. Sears book. So, so we don't actually want to call it that, but we would refer you to that book. It's great. If a little outdated at this point. I know. I want to go read it again and see if I still agree with him or not. I can't even remember. I mean, I don't see how we couldn't agree because it's also basic, right? Like people don't actually change. Right. Like Jen, Babies of Gen Xers don't have any different needs than babies of millennials. True. True. So, and I feel like because we've always em- embraced this um, mm-hmm. biological yeah. approach to um, mm-hmm. parenting, I guess you could say, right. I feel like it's not going to be that different because we're yeah. not really one to follow trends. I just like don't remember everything that he said because I read it whenever whenever it was so many years ago but i i know dr sears in my mind and i i have a feeling that we're on the same page okay. I, I have a feeling too i haven't read it in that long yes. i bet it's the same same thing so let's start with um let's start with feeding mm-hmm. what advice would you give or what guidance would you give regarding feeding um your baby at night So, um, several different things, you know, so number one, feed the baby as often as they want to be fed, feed the baby possibly more often than that. If they're not waking themselves (laughs) up to eat, (laughs) um, you know, they should be eating every, you know, three ish hours, um, when they're new and, you know, at night and then like more like two during the day. Um, So if they're not waking up to eat, it probably means they're not getting enough to eat. So wake the baby up to feed them Mm -hmm. Um, and just chill because that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a (laughs) piece of acceptance. I think it's really important to know that there's a biological reason for this. This isn't something that the baby is doing to, again, there's a lot of misconceptions about babies trying to like manipulate you or things like that. The baby is not doing anything wrong. The baby is hungry because they have tiny little tummies, teensy tiny little tummies. And a newborn's belly is only about the size of a walnut. Actually, not even that big. It's about the size of a shooter marble. It's about five, five milliliters, um, which is a teaspoon. Mm -hmm. And that is coincidentally about how much colostrum they'll take in at a feed in the first few days. Um, So they need to feed frequently. We also know that breast milk is um, digested very quickly. It's digested much quicker. Mm -hmm. And so they will feel hungry sooner. Um, But there's reasons for this. 
one reason is that the more that the baby, the more minutes a baby spends at the breast in the, or chest in the first three days, the more prolactin receptors they activate and the better your milk supply will be for the rest of your breastfeeding duration with that baby. So this frequent feeding actually sets up an adequate milk supply um, forever. It's, you can overcome a, a slow start to it, but it's hard to overcome a slow start to it. It's easy if you just nurse, nurse, nurse. Um, right. What other biological reasons do you think of when you think about why they feed frequently at night? Well, I mean, it, it's, it is protective for them to wake up to eat, you know, so it's, I mean, it's not just the eating, it's the waking up that it, it, there's a reason for it there. It protects them from getting into too deep of a sleep. Mm -hmm. And so when they're eating, it's bringing their blood sugar up. It's making them more alert um, so that they're more likely to wake up the next time for the next feed and so on. And, and this is, I mean, we don't want our babies to get into a deep sleep. It's dangerous for them to be in a deep sleep when they're little. Right. It actually, um, the, the risk of SIDS greatly, sudden infant death syndrome greatly increases with babies that are deeply, deeply asleep. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they're, they're spending more time skin to skin, the more time skin to skin they are, the better um, regulated their temperature, blood sugar, et cetera. All of that is in addition to the frequent feedings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a huge protective effect. Um, also, there is a lot of misconception about doctoring or altering infants' feeds in order to get them to sleep longer. And actually, none of it has been proven um, in the literature to actually help babies sleep longer. Again, with we need to question that assumption, is getting babies to sleep longer right. uh, desirable? So. Mm -hmm. We're, our, our understanding is no, it's actually not desirable. Mm -hmm. However, for those who kind of hold on to that, it, it doesn't even work giving them, um, or, you know, other putting other things in a bottle or, um, giving them formula or anything. It actually doesn't work to get them. No, to I didn't know that. I mean, like I've never, never tried any of those things. So, but I, I think it's a myth. I think it's like an urban myth that you put like the rice, in the bottle or whatever and it all. I mean, you would think that'd be outdated yeah. advice, but I still hear parents being told that by their pediatricians. Uh, I know. And so <laughs> that's what they were told when we were babies. Right. And it's still some pediatricians you've are still it. It. you've heard it recently. I also heard from a somebody that we know who was just desperate. I mean, her baby was almost six months, I think not sleeping well. She was exhausted. She, he was, he was particularly fussy. He might've had some other things going on. Mm -hmm. Um, she was just at the end of her rope. So she hired a sleep consultant, which I just have so many things mm -hmm. to say about that. But, um, the sleep consultant told her to put a tablespoon of coconut oil in her expressed milk. Oh my word. Like what a terrible idea. There is no basis for fact. There's no safety information. Oh. And I'm also thinking that would just cause diarrhea. Right. Coconut oil is not food for babies. So it's, oh. oh my word. It's a tree nut for one thing. Right. It's particularly right. allergenic. Right. I mean, just terrible. Oh. And that was three years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. 
So, um, so don't do any of that. So don't do that. Um, what are your, um, what kind of, where do you, if you, let's say we're doing the postpartum instructions and we're giving, you know, clients information about sleeping, you know, even that first night, kind of, what do you tell them about, um, getting some rest that first evening? Well, so, um, I mean, to start with, it's normal for, new new babies to have a little bit of a longer sleep shortly after birth so I do tell them that they can jump on that opportunity to, yeah, to take your know. rest it's a gift that is the have, one time like a five hour nap maybe you know like yay and then that's it because um you know they need to eat quite often yeah um, sleep when the baby sleeps, um, skin to skin as much as possible, uh, sleep in the same room as your baby. Um, I mean, for getting more rest, it's just like a totally personal decision that I am not recommending, but for myself, mastering sideline nursing was like the only way I survived because then basically I could nurse, um, while I was sleeping. (laughs) I recently had a postpartum visit where that's really all we did (laughs) was get them set up. Yeah. Not a nurse side lying. And then I tucked him in and I left because Mm -hmm. it's key. It's key to making it work. Yeah. And then you have to get into all of the safe bed sharing rules and all of that. And there is a lot. Um, but, um, it is also something that many cultures do and you know and that is like from a human standpoint it's a really natural way to care for your baby at night mm-hmm. yeah i mean the public health recommendations are pretty consistently you know mm-hmm. saying not to co-sleep with your baby to have the baby in your room like the public health recommendations are to have the baby in the room mm-hmm. having the baby in a separate room is is not as safe Mm -hmm. um but in their own sleep surface uh where there's no risk to any kind of suffocation or anything like that on a firm mattress with no bumpers and um etc etc however um it is somewhat problematic advice because it's such a broad sweep and so many people fall asleep nursing their babies. And so instead right. of setting up a space where you can safely doze off while you're nursing, people take their babies to say like recliners or couches, they fall asleep and wake up with her. And we just heard a grandma tell us the story at a birth. Did you hear, were you in the room when? No. What was that? Oh, no. no she no. woke up, um, the baby was gone and oh. fallen down the crack of the chair the recliner she slipped down so that's she was okay but Uh, that is a much much riskier situation than on a firm surface and in a bed together yeah but there are some considerations for bed sharing um it's really really discouraged if anybody in the household smokes anything Mm -hmm. Um, I don't exactly understand the mechanism of it, but particulate matter comes in with the smoker. Even if they smoke outside, Mm -hmm. it impacts, it increases the risk of SIDS. And so that's cigarettes and cannabis. And I was just reading e-cigarettes too. Like, so, uh uh-huh. So any 
any any smoking of any kind. Yeah. So there's there's chemicals that are you know it's changing that. And of course, drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean drugs, drugs. Although of course those two, but like you know even like stuff like melatonin and stuff like you don't anything that's going to make you sleep better you don't want to be taking that when you're sleeping with your baby um i mean probably more well besides alcohol which is pretty there's quite a lot of um you know i think we see people drinking alcohol but um probably even more common would be things like percocet or vicodin for after a c section mm-hmm. or occasionally after a vaginal birth sometimes people um, that have significant tearing will get a narcotic pain medication for after the birth. And while they're safe for breastfeeding, they, they could alter your ability to safely co-sleep. Right. Definitely. Um, they've always, I've always read in the, in the guidelines for safe co-sleeping that, um, people that are overweight shouldn't co-sleep. And I don't fully understand the mechanism of that, um, other than it was just maybe a not, you know, I don't know, maybe having more folds for the baby to. Yeah. There's two things I can think of. And one is this, like, I wonder if it has to do with the size of the breast or the abdominal tissue or something. Uh, But also I wonder if it has to do with the sleep apnea. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's a good, it's always been a pretty consistent um, caution. You know, when you said, sleep apnea, I almost thought of something else. Oh, I wonder if it also makes the mattress depress more. Mm. A heavier parent makes the mattress. So then there's like a space. So the baby could roll into you differently. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, it's always been a recommendation. I've never thought through it too much, even Mm -hmm. though I'm overweight myself, (laughs) but I wasn't when I was nursing, I guess. (laughs) So I didn't think about that. Um, And I actually think they <clears throat> they actually say obese, not overweight. So it must be significantly overweight would probably be. Right. Like I teeter on the edge. I mean, you know, I'm like a, just like a average size person and I'm always teetering on the edge of, of being like technically overweight. I, it, that on, just boggles the mind. Do, do I weigh two pounds more today? Oh, I crossed over the line. I'm overweight today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, oh, now I'm back to normal weight. <laughs> yes, I teeter a different line, but anyway. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it is something to think about for sure as you're considering what, you know, what's the right decision for your family. If you are, if the baby is sleeping in their own um, surface, like in a crib, of course the, or, or a bassinet or a co-sleeper. So there's co-sleepers that have a barrier between the parent and the baby. And then there's co-sleepers that don't have a barrier between the parent and baby. Um, I had one briefly. It was a great laundry basket and my baby ended up like right next to me all night because I would fall asleep nursing every time. But, mm-hmm. um, but if the baby is on their own surface, um, the recommendations are of course that they should be on their back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always a little challenging because they sometimes will startle when they're on their back. Um, so a lot of people want to know about swaddling and we just kind of reviewed the recommendations for swaddling. Um, what were they? Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, mean, I don't really, I'm not really a swaddler. So, um, but yeah, so we just read um, that they should have two fingers, right? In yeah. like, get two fingers in the wraps and it doesn't matter whether you wrap 
the arms in or out. I prefer out because then they can like chew on their hands, but. Um, I just wrapped this one baby up with his arms in because he was so like. Right. Flaily. Right. And there's that, that lateral pressure thing. Like if I was going to be swaddled as <laughs> an adult person, I would definitely want my arms in. <laughs> I bet you would love to be swaddled. Yes, I think I would. Um, and then um, to discontinue swaddling at two months oh, yeah. or when they can roll over if it's before two months. Mm-hmm. And what else? I think that, I think that was the big thing, the discontinuing okay. it. And oh, to only put them on their back if they're swaddled. Mm-hmm. Don't prop them on their side or yes. anything because they could tip right. over to their belly. Right. The risk to the baby, a swaddled baby on their belly is has is a very high risk. It's mm-hmm. very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. And also they can overheat when they're swaddled. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. um, and and over bundling is is a pretty unsafe thing for babies in, in general. So which is you know, kind of odd because so many people are so worried about the baby getting cold and it's really, which is also bad, but it's, but it's really dangerous to overheat them with all these layers of clothing. So you kind of just want to like have them however you are, (laughs) like whatever level. One swaddle, the light swaddle blanket. Yeah. 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 Interestingly, this is one of my favorite. I have like my top five facts about breastfeeding or chest feeding. This is one of my favorite facts. When you're skin to skin, when your baby is skin to skin on your chest, your breasts adapt to the temperature that the baby needs. If your baby is too cold, they warm up. If your baby is too hot, they cool down. What? I know. It's wow amazing (laughs) like it's one of those things that you're like is that real Mm, it's real i'll I'll try to put the link in the research in the blog post um so a lot of people think of skin to skin as something that just happens after birth but actually it can go on for much much longer but i tell people at least three days at least those first three days while your milk is coming in and you're getting a hang of lactation and all of that it's the best It's a real critical period, those first three days. So even if you don't plan to co-sleep, considering um, putting the baby skin to skin with you at night is still a really, I think, an advantageous thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I think that it also basically boils down to what you said early on, which was, did you say surrender? Was that the word you used? I don't think it was. I just said chill. Chill. Oh, it's going to be, but yes, let's elaborate on that. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about that. (laughs) Babies are brand new. Mm -hmm. They're brand new. Up until the moment of birth, they were not hot or cold. They were not hungry. They were not tired. They did not have bright lights in their eyes. I would argue that they had very, very little to disturb them at Mm -hmm. all. I mean, you know, we poke them and we you know, wiggle them around and they get a little bit of interaction, but for the most part, they had a pretty cool life in there. They didn't really have to want for anything. And then they come out and it is just, it's, it's a disaster. It's hot. It's cold. It's loud. It's quiet. They don't know what's happening. They're just really, you can just see it. You can just see it. They just don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that connection, that constant reassurance 
is really, really important to their transition earth side. Yes. So powerful. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, they, they need this and actually we need this too. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so I just like, I always just do my best to just try to encourage people to get into a different mindset where they just accept that losing sleep is part of, is part of parenting a newborn and, and actually a lot longer than that for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's, and it's okay. Like it's it, I mean, believe me, I've had plenty of times where I was frustrated and wished that I was sleeping when I had babies, you know, like plenty, but if you can just like, just kind of roll with it and, and just know that this is temporary and you're doing this wonderful thing for your baby. And it's, you know, you can just lay there with your eyes closed, you know, and let your body rest. And it's, you know, just whatever you can do Mm -hmm. um, to just like, like you said, surrender to it. It's just, Mm -hmm. this is just one of those parts of life. Mm-hmm. that requires and patience when you adopt certain elements like mm-hmm. learning how to nurse sideline you're ma- you are maximizing your ability to rest while still in close contact with your baby mm-hmm. I really feel like it's a biological imperative I really do babies are not meant to be separated from their parents for mm-hmm. a long time we're right. very immature when we're born And so there's a a long time. And I think that's one of the pieces of what I'm seeing people ask questions about, you know, at their three week, four week, six week visit where they're like, when can I expect this to change? There is no win. There's no win. It's the new normal. And it's normal for babies to wake as long as they're babies. Right. Um, But if you're lucky, they don't, um, they don't, they're not up to party. They're just connecting, eating, um, dozing back off. Um, and you're not, your sleep isn't disrupted, you know, to the extent that it is in that newborn period, it gets more manageable. Right. They aren't really sleeping for longer periods of time necessarily. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like when you get up to pee in the middle of the night, when you're pregnant, you know, five times or whatever, you know, you, you do get into a rhythm where you can get up and you can go back to sleep and you can get up and you can go back to sleep. And, um, I mean, I know for myself that I have, I have many times said that I had, you know, that my children never slept for like, you know, for like the first 10 years of their life or, you know, some exaggeration like that. But, but I know that this happened, like that all of my kids woke up for years and it, of course it gets better and better over time. But honestly, now that my youngest is nine I can't even remember like what happened like it's just like is a temporary thing in your life and those hard parts just go and then they're but they're, then there's something gone. else but then there's right. then you there's know, something else have, there's plenty of more hard stuff but there's other <laughs> things that come up kids aren't easy I mean I guess that's part of the takeaway message this yeah. isn't an easy road yeah and so just yeah. embracing that it's yeah. not easy it's not horrible. It's not terrible. No. Labor isn't easy. Birth isn't easy. Parenthood is not easy. Mm-hmm. Let yeah. me tell you uh, what I wouldn't give to be night nursing a toddler rather than scared that my teenager is out at 2 a.m. driving. 
I mean, it's just, it's the, the anxiety is through the roof with those nighttime issues. Yes. Yes, totally. So, um, so a couple resources. Oh, I wanted to say one other thing. I can't remember. It'll, it'll come back. A couple of resources. We mentioned Dr. Sears. Um, they, he, Dr. Bill Sears and Martha Sears are the parent couple. Mm-hmm. And they have a number of books, the baby book, the breastfeeding book, the birth book. They also have one called Nighttime Parenting, which is really, really good. And they talk about how they sort of evolved. They didn't just figure it all out with their first baby. They had you know, they had a special needs child and, or a high maintenance kid and then a special needs kid. I don't know. Anyway, they've had a bunch of situations and, um, and they, how they evolved as parents, um, over the years. It's a really great book. Um, James McKenna is a researcher who talks about co-sleeping and a lot of it is safety oriented and has an evolutionary perspective to it. Um, he does make some pretty bold statements like co-sleeping is only safe if you're breastfeeding because of that hormonal, Mm. um, element that's there. So there's some nuance and caveat to the recommendations, um, about, about co-sleeping with his book. Um, another one I really like is Jay Gordon's book. Oh, and, um, Dr. McKenna has a website with a bunch of research and he has a new parent book and I believe it's called safe sleep. So nighttime parenting, safe sleep, safe sleep. And then Jane, Jay Gordon, um, pediatrician in California has a good, uh, a really good book called good nights. And, um, I particularly like good nights for when somebody feels they need to night wean their toddler. Mm-hmm. It's, um, he doesn't recommend it under the age of one and neither would we. Mm-hmm. Um, but there can be a point that you need to make a change and he has very, gentle night weaning advice. And I really like it for that purpose, which is kind of leads me to one point that I want to make, which is just because even though we're kind of saying surrender, this could take years. (laughs) Um, Also, oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. Also remember that what you're doing right now doesn't mean you have to do it forever. Even though we're saying the more you can just go with the flow for as long as you can, the easier it is, but it doesn't mean that you can't make a change later. You can decide to change things up in some period of time. You're not locked in for life. Mm -hmm. Um, What I was going to say about the newborn period is that for me, it was always a turning point when my baby stopped pooping in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, I have massively poopy babies. So like every time I would feed them, they would poop for months and months and months and months. Yeah. Um, I oversupply anyone, you know, like, (laughs) I I never had that problem. Yeah. So 12, (laughs) 15 poopy diapers a day. Wow. Um, but after about somewhere between four and six weeks with all three of them, they stopped pooping in the middle of the night. And once they do that, you don't have to change their diaper Mm -hmm. and you don't get so disrupted when they wake you just kind of nurse and go back to sleep and don't have to, there's not so much. Yeah. Not so much like activity that wakes your brain up. Mm-hmm. That's, That's nice. Point. Um, good. What other, what other points do you want to hit on? Well, I was just thinking like, as I'm listening to my children run around the house right now, making lots of noise, which hopefully is not <laughs> translating onto nope. this. 
I was thinking to myself that my 22 year old and my 17 year old still wake me up at night. Like right now they're like, I have to like text them to get off their call or whatever. They're nocturnal. Teenagers are nocturnal, by the way. (laughs) Teenagers and newborns. (laughs) I know. I know my kids know my kids know I have like this light bothers me just about as badly as sound does because I sleep with earplugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but light will wake me up. So if somebody turns on a light in my hallway, it will oh, wake no. me up. Oh no. Yeah. I can't handle light. It has to be as dark as possible. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's not, this isn't, our approach is not a quick fix no. and it's not, um, there's not a formula. There's not a recipe. And I mentioned earlier, sleep trainers or sleep consultants. I'm just real suspicious. I'm real suspicious. I think that a, is this actually a desirable outcome? Is this really what we want to happen? And B, I feel like as with many things, we're deferring our instincts. We're defer, we're, um, we're giving somebody else authority to help us override our instincts. Mm-hmm. And really you are the expert on your parent, you know, but be- I mean, on your children, you know, best mm-hmm. and um, outsourcing that is um, I don't know. I, f- I really feel like it um, disrupts that bond and that trust process. There's there's a lot of research about attachment and attachment theory is not the same as attachment parenting. You don't Mm -hmm. have to subscribe to attachment parenting to have a secure attachment. But when you disrupt that responsiveness, and I know, I know I can hear the sleep consultants. I can hear them right now as I'm saying these words, we don't recommend cry it out. Mm -hmm. That may be true, but but they're disrupting the, the responsiveness in the trust relationship. Right. Your, your baby is not coming into the world wanting to have your, oh my gosh, this is going to sound so judgy. And just let me, let me preface this with, I understand that there are people with all sorts of situations in their personal lives that might require some of these things. But your baby isn't coming into the world wanting to have the night nanny meet their needs all the way through the night. Like it's, it, it's not natural for your body to sleep all the way through the night. It's not natural for them to not get your response. I don't know. It's just this whole, there's the viewpoint that babies, you know, good babies don't bug you all night, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and we're like on the way other side of that, that good babies are normal babies and there are normal babies are good babies. Maybe anyway, <laughs> it's not good or bad. They're just normal and right. they, they have needs. So One of my favorite La Leche League isms is all babies are good babies. Some are just easier to live with. Well, so, yes. and so if you just change your mindset, <laughs> it's not, again, it's not about doing it right or not doing it right. Or there being a, a, a right way or not. Yeah. Um, maybe one other Maybe, maybe not. Well, maybe one other point that I want to make um, back to the discussion about SIDS. And I really don't want to downplay. I really don't want to downplay um, that co-sleeping probably does introduce some risks. However, co-sleeping also protects breastfeeding and breastfeeding 
greatly decreases the risk of SIDS. Breastfeeding decreases the risk of SIDS by 75%. So if you do something to facilitate breastfeeding, you're decreasing the rate of SIDS. However, co-sleeping in and of itself, I do believe is a risk factor for it. Mm-hmm. You know, e- even when you can, even when you control the environment a little better. So I don't want, I don't want this to come off as saying there's no risk because life is a series of trade-offs of risks. Right. And there probably is an increased risk of co-sleeping with your baby, even if you're breastfeeding, even if you have a soft surface, how, I mean, a firm surface and, you know, you've removed some of those, um, extra risks, but right. When you co-sleep your baby nurses more frequently, that is true, but it's less disruptive to your sleep than getting up and getting the baby and laying down. Mm -hmm. Um, And when babies suck frequently, they decrease the risk of SIDS as well. That's why there's often a recommendation by a pediatrician to give a pacifier, but a pacifier is just a substitute for nursing. Mm -hmm. And so co-sleeping facilitates ad-lib nursing, which decreases the risk of SIDS. So Right. So just kind of thinking that you've got all of these, it's a tension of Mm trade-offs. And I certainly, you know, um, I don't want to come off as saying I did something and it worked for me because that's very um, basic thinking. Right. What did you call it? Survivor bias? Yeah. Um, It's simplistic and basic thinking. And you you can see it on mom boards. All, all you need to do is open up Facebook and you'll see it. But like, you know, I'm considering vitamin K for my baby. Should I do it? And then you've got 42 people that say, well, I didn't do it. My baby's fine. Right. That's survivor bias. It's not, it's not meaningful data. So there's a lot of things that I did and my baby's fine. Do you know, I just read speaking of survivor bias. One of the stories, my in-laws, I hope they don't listen to the podcast took my kids to Oregon one year. They took the three boys on a road trip and they went up and down the Oregon coast like they always do. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> at one point they dug, they let Quinn and Liam, the older two, dig a giant hole for Reese. And Reese was in this giant hole and mm-hmm. the tide came in. And they, it's a joke about how the tide came in and the sand started falling in. But I actually read how dangerous that is Mm -hmm. they almost killed my kid so like we have close calls we have close calls maybe my kids had a close call co-sleeping and I don't know so so again I never I on one hand I want to share what has worked for me on the other hand I want people to understand that you have to you know my situation isn't a direct translation to your situation I perhaps accepted risks that you might not be willing to accept. Life is a series of trade-offs of risks, but we True. do know that um, co-sleeping facilitates breastfeeding, breastfeeding reduces SIDS and co-sleeping also has an increased risk of SIDS. So, right. Right. So that's why we're always very careful to not recommend, you know, mm-hmm. one way or the other, but um, except for sleeping in the same room with your baby is that's, that's an absolute like a complete no-brainer mm-hmm. um also i wanted to throw in since we are talking about sids not having the baby sleep in the car seat not having right. a baby sleep in a swing or a bouncer or anything of that nature those are they all should not sleep reclined in any yeah. way mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, that's really, and that really also goes to the chairs, the couches, like you are, it is absolutely true that if you're going to fall asleep with your baby, you're better off in a, on a firm mattress. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, they should not sleep in car. And I know a lot of parents who do that, but it's, that's well documented that that's a risk factor. Car seats and swings are a risk factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, my baby has slept in bouncers a lot when I was, you know, cause I was a working mother. And so I had like many hours logged of bouncing the baby with my foot while I was working. It's not safe. I you think guys. That might be different. <laughs> it might be different during the daytime. Okay. Cause you're like watching, you're watching, you're in, you're yeah. with your, but not leaving the, not leaving the baby <laughs> mm-hmm. all night long. Yeah. Good idea. I could be wrong. I don't, I actually don't have this, but I think when you're, when you're observing your child, it's different than when you're sleeping. So Probably. I don't know. It's complicated and it's messy, but here's the bottom line. You do have to figure out what works for you. You will enjoy this period of time more if you can surrender mm-hmm. you know if you can find a thing that works for you and you can lower your expectations and just really um i shouldn't say lower your expectations i should say change your expectations by understanding what's appropriate behavior for infants yeah and you'll feel a lot better about it than if you have a mindset of this baby is driving me crazy and, and they might, and there really is something to that, you know, we always, it's a joke, right? Oh, they look like such angels when they're asleep. And it's really true. Like I co-slept well past toddlerhood and, and the, the little buttheads would like just mm-hmm. drive me crazy all day long. And then, <laughs> and then you end up in bed and you're sleeping and they're so cute. And it is a time for reconnection. They're Mm -hmm. just so sweet and angelic and you just forget that they just colored with Sharpie all over your whatever. I know toddlers. Oh my word. I know. (laughs) I know. They're just the worst. (laughs) They're so cute when they're asleep. (laughs) I I think four is the worst age. And, and I always like, whatever people are like, Oh, at least we're almost past the threes. I just said like silent, like, it's funny that you, but I have made this <laughs> observation before. I think boys are worse at three and girls are worse at four. It's mm. more bad for, as bad for your boys as it was for your girls. I don't know now because three and four were both pretty horrid, you know, just to be honest. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to give that some thought. And they're all better than two. So those of you who think yes. two is something. Terrible twos, please. <laughs> please. Lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think boys are so, and this is huge gender generalizations, but um, they're just so physical at three and girls are so sassy at four. And so I think girls are kind of mentally oh, exhausting at four and boys are physically exhausting at three. And, and I've had three boys with different personalities and these are not totally true for all three of them. Right. And it's like, you know, like we've said many times now, I'm sure like there's all sorts of hard stuff coming. Like it's, you know, puberty is coming. Like there's a lot of hard periods as a parent, but the thing that's so bad about three and four is the, the sheer like physical energy that it requires from you. It's just like, uh. oh, 
so much. Yes. You have, that's, I think that's why all my kids are swimmers is because I had to just throw them in holes to just like get that energy like burnt off, you know? Yes. So anyway, huge generalizations. We acknowledge that we don't, you know, we, we have, I have a sample size of three and you have a sample size of four, you know, so limitations and all of that, notwithstanding there's challenging periods. And there's also something really special about each time period. So, so yeah, he'll just be surrendering for a good long time. Yep. Get used to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's about it. Don't forget to follow us on social at Metro Midwifery and we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We don't have that much on YouTube. We were, for a while when we started um, our quarantine podcast, we were YouTubing them and somehow we have stopped doing that. It's just an extra step that I don't have the bandwidth to make happen. We can barely get it done. (laughs) But we did it. (laughs) All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.